Golly, Bob, howdy and welcome to Ernest Goes to Podcast, the podcast about beloved American icon Ernest P. Worrell. This is a podcast in which we will be examining the character of Ernest on a level that was neither anticipated nor wanted. This is episode one, America's Pitchman Jim Varney. I am Aaron, and this is my lovely co-host, David. Hi, everyone. I'm David. Hi, David. How's it going? You have to match my energy level, David. What's happening, Aaron? I feel like I'm going to like sell cars on the radio or something. Oh, on the TV, David. On the TV. Sorry, yes. Uh, Tyson Toyota, where something happens and... John Tumbar- Sheridan. Yeah. Chevrolet. Wait, what was the... Uh, I can't remember the the Wheel Auto or we- whatever the... Wild Auto Libertyville. Yeah, that's the one. It's a beautiful day in the country. <laughs> that's it. Uh, yes, this is episode one of Ernest Goes to Podcast. In this episode, we will be focusing on what started it all for Ernest, the ads. Yes. Now, Dave, I know we both know that Ernest deserves a podcast, obviously, but I feel like maybe our hypothetical listeners might not quite understand yet why he deserves such intense analysis. They're about to. They're about to understand. I mean, should we just go into how we sort of discovered Ernest? Yeah, sort of rediscovered Ernest, yes. Yes, so... um, so my knowledge of Ernest was really just uh, from you know a couple of the movies that I saw when I was a kid, and I had a vague awareness of the ads just because of my parents referencing them. I think sure where they would like if we were recording something at like a birthday party or something on a uh, camcorder, someone would invariably make a Hey Vern reference or something like that. Wow. Um, I mean, not consistently, but I remember it being a thing just in the way that like Luke, I am your father is. Yeah, a thing. yeah, totally. Osmosis, um, sort of. Exactly. Yes, the collective pop culture consciousness. Uh huh. But so, um, you know, I didn't really, I hadn't really thought or given much thought to Ernest or Jim Varney in a long time. And then last Halloween, you and I ended up watching over an hour of Ernest ads. Over two hours. Over two hours of Ernest ads, like I said, on YouTube. And we were just kind of like blown away by how sharp all the performances are and how like. I think we were both impressed by oh, yeah. Jim Varney's performance level for like I think it was just the the passion and the commitment he gave to Absolutely. something so dumb and I don't even want to say dumb but something so basic maybe dumb on the surface yes. and I, I think what it is is you know it is, you, when you think of Ernest in a very broad way you do think of kind of like a dumb goofy kind of like character but <laughs> I I think what's really fascinating and like compelling about the ads is just how much craft and work goes into producing something that's so like absurd and asinine yeah we were fascinated by the level of effort and planning and timing and like choreography that went into like crafting these very simple 30 second ads and just the talent of jim varney in general because each one of these ads is one take and i don't mean that he's recording it on the first take necessarily but he's doing the entire read through and all the physical humor and all of like the timing of things that are not related to him happening in the scene all of that is happening in one camera take yeah from watching him perform 30 straight seconds of dialogue that had to have been memorized because he's his face is directly in the camera he can't even look away from the camera for a second and like the way he uh is timing everything to be 30 seconds like Mm -hmm. that in itself is like crazy to me watching him do that we were kind of that's when we both were realizing like oh wow this guy was like a serious serious actor like he was no joke oh yeah yeah which you know when you're a kid you don't think about that kind of craft stuff you're just like oh jim varney ernest is funny yeah Uh, but like as an adult when you especially like if you're like you and i who have film and animation experience uh jim varney is essentially a cartoon in these ads and the amount of like intricate timing and planning and detail is really, really interesting. 
we were fascinated by that. And then that kind of snowballed into watching the entire Ernest Cannon for me. I did like, not get that far <laughs> yet, but we did watch a few more of the films together. Yeah. And that's where we kind of got into, you know, apart from just appreciating the magic and talent of Jim Varney, this sort of notion of, well, wait a second. Who the heck is Ernest P. Worrell? What the hell is his deal? Yeah. What does he mean? <laughs> well, I mean, we just rewatched a bunch of the ads to mm-hmm. to uh, get in the mood for this first podcast. And even in that, yeah. it's like there's like different shades of who Ad Ernest is. I didn't miss that uh, illusion, <laughs> by the way. Um, so one of the goals, I think, of this podcast is to figure out who Ernest is. And he's not always the same Ernest, but... There's something weird and interesting and fascinating about Ernest P. Worrell. Yeah, we found that ourselves going into every movie like, okay, wait, who is Ernest now? Like, where is he now? What's going on with him? Yep. Where is he coming from in his head? And like seeing all the differences and the amount of discussion that it generated just made us go, well, we should just record some of this. Oh, yeah. Talking at length about Ernest. And I mean, the, one of the fascinating things about the movies in particular, and after I say this thing about the movies, I guess we can move back into the ads because that's our topic for today. So the director of all the, or most of the Ernest movies, right, is uh, John R. Cherry. Correct. Of the ad the firm. Third. <laughs> the third, yes. Of the ad firm Cardin and Cherry, which is where the character of Ernest originates. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he's gone on record as saying that each Ernest film is in its own separate universe. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That's just so that you have it. <laughs> Does it make sense? I don't... It makes sense from a business standpoint. Sure. Yeah, you there's no there's no need to like be adhere consistent. to any con- yep. continuity. That's, yeah. I think that's the idea. So that's that's the character we're trying to unpack. With that's this why. Podcast. And then you put that in front of fans and all we're going to do is go, huh? <laughs> like, what? Like, wait, we have to make this make sense to our brains. Yes, there's going to be a lot of, uh, this is essentially Ernest Headcanon, the podcast. Correct. Like, yes, we know they're just movies. We're not going to look at it that way. No, and to be clear, this is a character analysis podcast, Correct. Not, not a film review podcast. Or a Jim Barney oeuvre podcast, although, you know. I'm not going to stop you from, if, you, if you've if you got the uh, the mojo going, please. It's uh, not a podcast about the career of the late great Jim Barney, but, you know, sure. we will be heaping probably exorbitant amounts of praise on him. You probably more so than me, although I'll, I'll, I'll be there with you. Okay. So, yes, after the two hours of ads, we uh, had lots of discussions about Ernest, and I did some reading. So going deeper into the whole Ernest franchise, I did find out some things. And I, this is I'm just going to relay the history of where Ernest came from based on memory. And now, again, to be clear, this is Ernest, the character, not Jim Varney. No. Oh, yes. then what is this? <laughs> yes, this is Ernest, the character. Okay. Jim Varney was not birthed from character. the notepad of John R. Cherry <laughs> III. Correct. So I guess maybe a good place to start is like, and you are the the resident expert here. Where did Ernest yes, come from? Yes, having read more on Wikipedia and having read <laughs> ridiculous books, and like... I did. I did get you uh, the Ernest P. Worrell book of I, knowledge for much. Christmas. Yes. So, based on your intensive uh, research, where does the character of Ernest come from? Okay, so Ernest is, like we said, a creation of an advertising agency called Cardin and Cherry, mm-hmm. and John Cherry is the cherry on top of Cardin and Cherry. You see what he did? I, you were working on that joke out in the hallway oh, earlier. Yeah, I wrote it down. I underlined it three times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so basically, Ernest uh, was created uh, out of necessity. They needed they needed to create an ad for a theme park that they couldn't actually show in the ad because it was a pile of crap, right? <laughs> So they're like, okay. Wait, wait, hold on a second. We we need to advertise this theme park, but we can't show the theme park. Correct. Yeah, that lines up. Advertising, Dave. Sure. It's yep. advertising. So they're like, okay, 
why don't we get a guy to just like talk about the theme park to another guy? So they hired a guy and they're like, we can't afford another guy. So they so they said, okay, we'll have him talk to the camera as if he is a character. Perfect. So they hired Jim Varney, an actor that they had previously worked with on other ads, and uh, the character of Ernest was born. Mm. He just pitched this theme park to his neighbor, Vern. And yes, and we will go into who Vern is, but Vern is Ernest's, uh, the yin to Ernest's yang, I think. Like, yeah, well said, yeah. Yeah, the um, the guy who to whom all the sales pitches are directed. And so uh, they did that ad. It actually didn't go anywhere. I don't think the park wanted to use it because they couldn't see the park, probably. I mean, it sounds like the park had some other problems that were maybe a little more pressing than we don't have a solid ad yet. <laughs> so they were like, okay. But they still put the ad on their demo reel. And I guess maybe it was... They the, being Cardin the, and Cherry. Yeah, so Got Cardin it. and Cherry still put the ad on their demo reel. Okay. And then I suppose, I think it was about a year or two later that another client that was watching their demo reel saw Ernest and said, I want that guy for my uh, advertising campaign. I'm just picturing some sort of like Hollywood bigwig from like the 1940s. I want him. They were making, That's like, the man the, I want. They are making the wide angle frame with their yeah. fingers. <laughs> like, he's perfect. You want to be a star? So they was like, I want that guy. And I think John Cherry was like, we already did that. Let's do something else. And they had Jim Barney mm. do like that old man character that sticks his tongue out a lot. And it was like, in the war. Hilarious. Hilarious. That didn't really take for some reason. Mm. So they, uh, they did Ernest. And then they realized they could use Ernest over and over and over and over and over mm. for all different different products in different local markets. All of Ernest's ads were run locally so that you could reuse Ernest in another market and people wouldn't realize that he was pitching a bowling alley over here and milk products over there. Or even one company's milk products here and another company's milk products there. Yeah, he was there's what, big there's like, whore, Dave. Because there's, <laughs> there's purity milk and then there's what, Pine State. Is that the other one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know so, more about the things pitched by <laughs> Ernest than I ever thought I would. He really gets it into your head, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, he sang happy birthday to me, but instead of birthday, it was Pine State, um, and he offered me an ice cream. Uh, I was Vern. We are all Vern. That's true, yes. So the ads took off, and yeah, I mean, that's something that couldn't happen now because the ad would go viral, and then it would be done in a month. Sure. I mean, the television landscape to... is completely different now. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the foundation of our podcast, basically, and now, the Ernest ads are the foundation of Ernest. Yes. Was he already Ernest? In that uh, failed amusement park ad? Yes, I believe he was, Ernest. Uh, with like the, the hat and the vest and everything and called himself and talked to the camera? Oh, no, you, I don't you said know. I haven't seen it, but I think, I oh, think we can assume it was pretty close. Gotcha. I mean, that's interesting in and of itself that Ernest's uniform is a cartoon. That's a cartoon uniform. Oh, yeah, it's a cartoon wardrobe for sure. See, it's so, uh, we're all, my brain is aflame with like all <laughs> the implications and like everything to, to pick apart. Oh, yeah. All right, well, let's get started. All right, so uh, I guess let's get to the ads then. Um, let's get to the ads, David. Okay. Was uh, that loud? <laughs> uh, yes. Hot, ain't it, Vern? Look what your buddy Ernest has brought to you, Vern. An icy cold Sprite instead of that 7-Up you used to drink, because only Sprite's got the great taste of lemon. Sprite, Vern, just the thing when you're working up a sweat over one of these old off-brand air conditioners. Know what I mean? Well, there's your problem right there, Vern. You see that little wire right there? Looks like it's got a little sword in it. My daddy used to work on them. So there's, uh, what is that compilation that we watched called? It's the best of Ernest or Ernest's Greatest Hits or? Yeah, Ernest's Greatest Hits. We got, I got these DVDs. Um, what is it called? I'm going to look over at it. Ernest's Wacky Adventures. They're actually pretty good DVD compilations for all you Ernest fans. 
because why else would you be listening to oh, this sure. podcast? Oh, sure. Yeah, the, the entire uh, Ernest uh, fandom is, is a, a Twitter with the, uh, the news of this podcast. Yeah, the best versions of all the movies, like in terms of the quality of encoding um, and the print to DVD. Right. Ernest Wacky Adventures is the one to get. The best of in the big box set is not very good in terms of quality. So get the Wacky Adventures. Mm, bummer. PSA. We should also point out we don't get any kickbacks from no, uh, no, no, Carton and Cherry or the uh, the production company. So don't sue us, these. eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um. So I guess the main, apart from Jim Varney's character himself, mm. Ernest, the other main core part of the ads is Vern. Vern. And who is Vern, Vern. Aaron? Who is Vern? That's what I asked. Vern is the greatest, smartest dude in the world, according to Ernest. Mm. I think Vern is canonically. Ernest's next door neighbor. Right. You see, Vern is, I think, to me, what separates Ernest in the ads from Ernest in the films. Right. Completely. Because Ernest in the ads is all about Vern. All he wants to do is impress Vern. That is his life goal. Right. He is obsessed with Vern. He's always running over to tell Vern something new that he that he thinks will... Impress him, essentially. Well, yeah, to try to gain Vern's approval. Mm-hmm. And that informs the way Ernest speaks when he tries to sound smart and use big words and misuses them or mispronounces them. He says, like, entrepreneur a lot. And, like, <laughs> I never picked up on that. Oh, you know, yeah, constantly. And so everything about Ernest is he is just focusing all his energy on getting Vern to be his friend. He desperately wants to be Vern's friend. Absolutely. And that, I think, is what drives Ernest in the ads. And it's crazy because once you get to the films, Ernest acts the exact same way and he speaks the exact same way, only he's not talking to anyone. <laughs> right. So he just comes off like a crazy damaged person. Yes, that's but accurate. But in the ads, he acts the exact same way, but it makes sense in context. Relatively, yeah. Well, I think, you know, we we said this a little bit earlier as a joke, but like, we are all Vern, not only because Vern is the camera, but like I think the intent behind having Ernest as like this sort of like nosy know-it-all neighbor is to be sort of like, oh, geez, we all know a guy like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think like I think a lot of the success comes from that. But also it's relatable. That, it's relatable. Yeah, and also Jim Varney's charisma, and he's just so entertaining to watch, and the vulnerability of like wanting so much. For that guy to like you actually comes through. Yep. So you can relate to it on both sides. Yep. I might possibly relate to it more on the Ernest side. <laughs> uh, and hence podcast. Hence podcast. So let's get to specific gags. Because like the thing about the Ernest ads is like I feel like there are like 10 basic Ernest gags that just get reused sure. thousands of times. Well, I guess the most Vern related gag is the window slam. And what's that all about? There's, yeah, there's a window slam where Ernest always puts his hands like right on the windowsill so that his hands can be, sm his fingers can be smashed. Right. And the... Vern and, and his wife, uh, dessert of Vern's. Is yeah, like Vernette or something like Verna, that. Verna, something like that. Uh, they're they're <laughs> ostensibly eating breakfast. breakfast and Ernest will like walk by in like the most He'll exaggerated. He'll walk by like Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, he he's, like, like a... he's, like the, he's like the love child of Jar Jar Binks and Vince McMahon, like this I'm absurd sure... walk. I'm convinced that the Jar Jar Binks animators they just like saw Ernest <laughs> walking around and were like that that's it uh, yeah uh, he is a cartoon he is a cartoon uh, but so they're eating breakfast and Ernest will stop by the window to hawk this week's you know solve it all product. and also see what they're eating like you know he's like hey he's always interrupting them yeah or to eat an opportune time or just to eat their food eat himself their food, yeah <laughs> picks off their plate through the window yeah. yeah yeah there's the window slam so where does the slam come into that well, what do you mean? Like, oh, the slam always happens after Ernest is, thinks he's made his point. 
Right. And it's usually while he's smiling. So then as soon as it hits his fingers, he can transition into that silent scream that he does. Yes. No, I guess my point was just that we had never explicitly said Vern slams the window on Ernest's hands. Vern does indeed slam the window on Ernest's <laughs> Yeah, Vern is, um, he, this will be shocking, annoyed by Ernest. Yeah, believe it or not. Hey, Vern, what's that you got there? Country fresh ice cream in my favorite flavor. And you know it'll taste great, too, because it's in the new Fresh Seal Pack. See, you just zip and flip and dip. Vern, uh, since you got it open and all, how about a little uh, scoop for your old buddy Ernest? You know what I mean? Well, I think also there's, you know, in the same way that we are all Vern and we all know a neighbor like that, I think uh, Vern... I don't. We all, in in a very broad Americana sense. Sure. Um, I think there's also a, a notion of like if you did have a neighbor who was this annoying, wouldn't there's you a little, love yes, to Yes, there's a little bit of wish fulfillment. The, yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so it connects with people on that level too. I think. Yeah. 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 You're right. It's it works on multiple levels. This is the depth of the Ernest ads. It hits a sweet spot for every viewer. And this is why there have been hours of discussion about this <laughs> that we have not recorded. Yeah, you know, so I almost feel sad that, like, the Ernest ads are probably the least thought of part of the Ernest whole franchise. Is that true? I think people really remember the movies. Yeah, I guess so, especially Camp and Christmas, I would say. You know, people don't, they'll watch movies, they don't tend to watch hours of compilations of ads like crazy people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Correct. So I feel, it's almost like I feel bad because those are lost and I feel like those are some of the, like, if we're talking in terms of art and in terms of craft, that is the strongest, artistically, the strongest pieces of the Ernest. Oh, franchise, most certainly. Which does not bode well for the future of this podcast. Oy, yeah. <laughs> Again, still not a film review podcast, but I'm going to get into some dour straits. But we dire love, straits. But Jim Varney's always, dour. always giving 110%. Oh, absolutely. Together. He is the, the linchpin of this entire thing. Without absolutely. Jim Varney, you have no Ernest. No. You know, like Jim Varney was not Ernest, but Ernest was Jim Varney. I buy it. If that makes sense. Not sure, but let's move on. Cool. What are some of the other gags from the Ernest ads, Aaron? Pancake flipping. I love yes. pancake flipping. <laughs> Ernest uh, will be, I don't know, he'll usually be talking about buttermilk or something. And then he flips pancakes and he just flips them out of frame completely. And then at the end of the ad, they all fall down and mm -hmm. he calls it pancakes on parade. And it's <laughs> And one will invariably fall onto his hat. You know, I've never actually seen it fall onto his hat in the actual ads, but I've only seen it in bloopers, and I kind of I wish Interesting. they kept that. Oh, maybe it's adorable. Maybe they couldn't get like a take where like they nailed because, I mean, it's hard. That's there's a like lot basically of... a grip off screen, like catching the things, and then yep, and then dropping them back down on the plate without being in frame on film. Yeah, I mean that's a lot to wrangle in thirty seconds. Sure, absolutely, it's really impressive. Um, kudos to Pancake Man and um, wherever you are, and Cameraman, who's um, a character in himself, the guy that plays oh, the sure. camera Vern. Is amazing. Well, I mean, if if you consider Ernest as a cartoon, and I think we both do, of course. Like the camera is, for all intents and purposes, also a cartoon. There's all this kind of like you can see the principles of animation in the way the camera moves and the way that it kind of interacts and reacts to Ernest. Mm -hmm. It's great. You can see principles <laughs> that we see. I'm we're not going to go deep into explaining what principles of animation are. Google it, guys. But like you can see principles of animation in Ernest. Oh yeah. I mean, in in Jim Varney, he's crazy exaggerated everything mm -hmm. about him is exaggerated he over anticipates everything anticipation is like you pull your hand back before you throw something you know to gain momentum and to also let the audience know what you're doing so that kind of movement that prefaces the main action he overdoes that all the time because he's always directing the audience's eye this is what i was really impressed by there's an ad where ernest gets locked in the freezer by Vern. right uh, ernest is in the freezer eating a bunch of ice cream 
Vern, Vern, I, I, I'm trapped in here with all this purity ice cream. Don't send help. Know what I mean? And uh, in the supermarket, and Vern takes a mop, um, like a mop handle, and just like puts it in the ha door handles of the freezer so that Ernest can't get out. And you can't really see the mop. All you see is a little bit of a little part of the stick. But, mm -hmm. but Jim Vardy makes sure that you know what's going on by carefully following the track of the mop with his eyes. The way that it's entering into the handles. Yeah, he, he completely telegraphs what's happening so that you don't miss anything. Oh, yeah. It's, he's, he's so good. And it's like, oh, man, rest yeah. in peace, damn it. <laughs> and I mean, keeping on with the cartoon thing, his face is essentially the living embodiment of Stretch and Squash. <laughs> yes, it is. Like the faces Rubber that face. he makes are insane and amazing. Yeah, we got like, we got that Halloween, we got like, you were down, and then we got like, it put us into an elevated state, like we, we got high on Ernest ads. Oh yeah, no, I was definitely not in a great mood on Halloween, and then when we ended watching these ads at like three in the morning, I was like, all right, now life is good, I can go to bed now. <laughs> Time well spent. Absolutely. One of my favorite things that we didn't really see in this last compilation that much is whenever Ernest gets electrocuted. There's always Electrical. like, oh, uh, yeah, he's always showing off his handyman skills to Vern. He says, I can fix it. And he's like, you just let a little wire loose. And then, he, and then like, the sound. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, that's exactly and what it is. Then, and it's hilarious every time. And he usually follows it with my daddy used to work on them. Mm. Yeah, I guess uh, the, uh, the Worrell family tree is something that we'll also get into. But, um, world, yeah. Oh, is there, man. Are there any other gags that we should touch on before we get into the extended genealogy of Ernest? I'm loving the, the, the ladder kick. Is, is oh, yeah. That's too. probably, that might be my favorite of the gags is the ladder kick where <laughs> Ernest will be climbing up onto the roof where Vern is working. Uh-huh. Minding his own business. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, I have to wonder if, I mean, I guess Vern has the ladder there to get up to the roof yeah, in the first yeah. place. There's no way that he could put the ladder away once no, on no. the roof. Uh, because I think that would be a great help to keep Ernest away. But Ernest will climb to a high place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once you're on high ground, that's that's how you escape. Tie all your products up into a tree. <laughs> Ernest can't get to them. Or just, you know what? Lock your windows, man. Uh, yeah. So Ernest will um, climb the ladder up to the roof, hawk the latest product. Oh, hi, Vern. Put that in there and this and here and this and here and that and over there. Gosh, Vern, aren't you awful heavy to be working up here? You know what you need, Vern? It's some is cream Weber Highland 2% milk. And then a foot, which I can never tell if it's like a legit foot or just like a leg on a stick. <laughs> I, think, um, I think it's a legit foot. We'll, the force it would need to push the ladder and Jim Varney off. Right. A real foot. The the foot will kick the ladder off the roof. There'll be a, a momentary, um, almost Wile Coyote-esque uh, reaction <laughs> where Ernest is not floating in midair, but he sort of like wrangles the ladder so that he's like there for a bit and then falls off the roof. Yeah. And it always looks like the ladder falls further than Jim Varney does. So I, I'm assuming I there's some kind of like... I think he jumps off early before it... He does jump hits. off, but it seems like he lands a lot higher than where the, the ladder hits in the grass. I don't know. It might be like he lands on like a, a, a cushion or a mat, but... Um, I think he just jumps off once he's fairly close to the ground. That's possible too. It's tough because it's such like... The ladder a, has a longer distance to go because it's falling flat. And it's also taller. That's a yeah. good point. And then there's variations on it that get really entertaining once they've oh, yeah. done the gag enough, then they'll do a variation on the gag. So like the la there's a ladder gag where it gets kicked away, but then Ernest has a grappling... A grappling hook. But then Ernest has a grappling hook that he throws, <laughs> that he's come prepared this time. <laughs> yeah. he's, so he's like... <laughs> you, know, you can't fault the guy for learning. <laughs> he's a learning machine. He, he's got his grappling hook, so he hooks onto the roof, and then he's really cocky. And then Vern is also prepared, and he's got scissors. And cuts the rope. Cuts the rope, and Ernest falls 
delightful. Yep. We should probably go into the fact that since Ernest is a cartoon, falling off a ladder, getting electrocuted, being locked in a freezer can't really kill Ernest. Yeah, things that would most certainly murder an average human <laughs> yes. being uh, have little to no effect on Ernest, apart from uh, in the event that comedy could come out of it, then then it affects him. Yes. Uh, like when he actually, I uh, take it back. My favorite gag is when he takes the mind-altering drugs. You know, we, that's a gag where we only saw the bloopers. We only saw right. Jim Varney messing it up. We never saw the full gag where, for some reason, Ernest was given mind-altering drugs. <laughs> it would explain a lot. <laughs> that made him crazy. Um, and Jim Varney couldn't get through it. I really, yeah, I'd love to see that full ad. Maybe there's a volume three that we need to seek out. Man, come on. Keep keep releasing those wacky adventures of Ernest, whoever the heck you are. <laughs> um, yeah, he can't be killed. Right. That's taken to an extreme in the movies, which we won't get to yet. But like... Yeah, Ernest is a cartoon in not only in the performance sense, but yes, in the sense that he is invulnerable, it seems, to injury. Sure. And yet not invulnerable not invulnerable to pain, because pain is what makes it funny. And not invulnerable to pain of the heart. Oh yeah. See the thing is yeah, Ernest can't be physically harmed, but his feelings can be hurt. Correct. Which is much worse. The Christmas commercial where oh. Ernest really wants to go to Vern's Christmas party. All of Vern's very high profile like news TV. Yeah, they look very yuppie-esque. Guests are coming in and Ernest is just looking through the door and watching all the guests enter and saying if you need anything, I'm right next door and like Vern just like slams Slam. the door in his face. <laughs> it's so sad and you're like, oh, Ernest. And now is that the ad where they actually had like a follow-up to it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a I don't know how true this is, but I read that they got complaints about that ad because it hurt Ernest's feelings. Mm. So there was a follow-up, very short, not 30 seconds, but very short New Year's installment where Ernest just knocks on the door and then throws a snowball in Vern's face. Mm. It says, Happy New Year, runs away. And that seemed to tide the audience over. Placate folks, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So what have we um, learned about Ernest so far? We know that he's a cartoon. We know that he um, is somewhat of a know-it-all. Uh, what do we know about his family? Yeah, he is a know-it-all, isn't he? Uh, see, okay, the thing about Ernest's family... And this is another thing that is wildly divergent from the films. Where each film is a completely different Ernest. Yes. Um, Ernest is like a family man in the ads. He's got a wife. Yeah. It's heavily insinuated that he has children, which everyone just like dropped their coffee. or like Based on the suggestion that <laughs> Ernest has children? In the ads, yeah. It has this whole family that, that is probably a concept that's foreign to people that just know him from the films. Well, I think the thought of Ernest procreating is odd at best you know why it's odd though it's odder in the films because he comes off as such a damaged let's say person in terms of like his he doesn't seem to be mentally stable correct and yet in the ads he does come off as a fairly normal person right well, because I mean, he's, he's talking he's in the that, home yeah he's talking that he's got a home clearly he lives next door to somebody he's got a stable situation going on if not he's a stable only, mental state he speaks the way he does because he's talking to someone. Right. He's got all the latest, like, products. He, he spends much of his time going to the local penny saver, memorizing the schedules and sale dates of, like, <laughs> every local business in town. So his wife is Edna. He'll refer a lot to his wife, like Edna. Edna and, Edna and the kids. Edna and the kids is something that I heard him say once and, like, blew my mind. Doesn't he also say, like, Ernie Jr. once? Maybe he does. I feel like that was in one of the ads. I can't remember. It's, I know. it's always very like offhanded. It's very yeah. It's like, very. You know, when I was out, blah blah blah, and then he'll just like say it and like completely go on to like whatever the the product is. And you'd be and like, it's, like, what? Wait, say yeah. What? Hold on a second. What? Gainers light and flaky lard. Well, Edna uses it in all her baking, and you ought to taste her deep dish pie. Mm 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 
Mm-mm. You got to taste Edna's deep dish pie. Oh, and he's when he's pitching the lard. Yeah, yeah. Edna participates in some of Ernest's like antics, like whenever Ernest is is betting Vern that usually for the reward of milk products. Sure. That he As can you do. that he can mow the lawn. No, he's in a pool. Oh, he's on like a water ski. Yeah, yeah. In a pool he's because like, he's like water skiing, but he's in a tube. Yeah. He's in an inner tube and. Usually, Edna is the one driving whatever it is that's pulling him along the water. Because he yells, gun it, Edna. Yeah. Edna, gun it. Edna, burn left with the light. And we should clarify, we never see Edna. Never. The only people we see in these ads, really, are Ernest and... Um, Hand of Vern, foot of Vern. Right. <laughs> Um, occasionally like the, the local news team mm-hmm. or like someone from like the auto dealership. Yeah. Especially if he's doing like a crystal ball gag where their head magically appears and yeah. does a really poor read of some ad copy. And then there's that John Sullivan guy from the auto dealership that like waterboards Ernest when he's bombing. Oh man, I don't remember that. That's a disturbing one. Gee. But yeah, there's semi-frequent references to Edna. Edna Absolutely. War- Edna P. Worrell. As we see her name at some point when Vern's in the hospital, we see the signature of Edna P. Worrell on, on his cast. On his cast. I mean, when you have the same middle name as someone, that's love. Yeah. She changed her name to Power Tools. Just like <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did they say that his middle name was Power Tools? Jim Vardy's said it. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I would say he's the authority. I would agree with that. So, yeah. There's Edna. There's the kids, which we never see. Right. But, yeah. Adderness is fairly stable person. Relatively, relatively sure. Relatively normal. I mean, a bit eccentric, but nothing like you wouldn't be shocked that he had children the same way you'd be shocked that like Film Ernest. Oh yeah, there's there's a definite line between Ad Ernest and Film Ernest. And again, I came more from knowing more about Film Ernest because I loved uh, Ernest Saves Christmas as a kid. Uh, scared stupid a little bit, also less so though. And that that Ernest is like a completely different animal. So it's very weird. And another thing that I noticed when we were watching the later ads is that. The ads span, what, 1981 to... Like, 82-ish? To, to like, the late 80s, I guess? Actually, they were going deep into the 90s. I think really? they were going up to, like, 96, 97. Well, it struck me as interesting once, like, sort of the movies started and the ads were still going that, he like, changes. shades shades of film earnest start to creep into ad earnest. And there's, like, yeah. this weird overlap time where I'd be like, oh, that's more like the earnest I recognize as opposed to ad earnest and film earnest being too very disparate characters. Well, well, they start to blend together. Correct. I mean, again, the performance doesn't change. It's not like, I don't think he, you know, tried to make Ad Ernest more like Film Ernest. I think it was just no. a natural progression Absolutely. of the performance. So you see it in both. But the thing is that the character is consistent. It's just that the motivation is, motivation is what makes And Ernest, backstory. Yeah. Motivation and backstory is what makes Ernest either normal or crazy. It's fine to go into like into pseudo Shakespearean like dramatic yeah. monologues <laughs> if you're trying to impress your learned, well-read neighbor. But when you're it's, helping a kid like find a Halloween costume yeah. or build a tree for it, then it's weird. Yes, it's all about the context. Ernest is the same character throughout, but the backstory and the, the what is making him do that is different. Do you think that each individual Ernest ad? is a completely different Ernest. That's <laughs> my mind exploding. <laughs> I can't take this. There's always a little bit more to unravel in the Ernest cloak. It's like of... Inception. You pull yeah. back freaking layer of Ernest yep. and there's another damn Ernest underneath. <laughs> it's like nesting, nesting Barney dolls. <laughs> Why didn't they make those? There's still time. Yeah, I think, no. I'm going to say for my own sanity... 
I think I'm really worried be... about your sanity right now. <laughs> I think maybe it's a blend. What is? It's not a separate Ernest in every ad. Oh, okay. But sometimes it is. Well, uh, sometimes it isn't. Because there's different local markets, so they reuse the same gags constantly for right. every different market. So Yeah, and another thing that I noticed when we were watching this last compilation was that there are, you could tell when there was like ads shot on the same day because he would be in the same location with that weird mirror yeah, or yeah, a weird yeah. painting. And same and lighting. it's like, well, we, we, we could assume that maybe those are the same Ernests, although we don't really know for sure. It's crazy how much they, apparently they got up, they could get up to like 25 commercials a day. Yeah, I think I was reading that like, was it like 500 in a month or something? That's insane. I, yeah, that's crazy. I, I don't know if that is an accurate figure and we can maybe check that for the next episode, but. Again, it's only doable with a Jim Varney. Absolutely. They're, I don't think those come along often. I think they're few and far between. Mm -hmm. It's a actor with that level of energy and focus and like, and talent because you, that's a lot. You would have to have like a, a exceptionally good memory and exceptionally good focus and recall. Sure. And just like the energy to keep going. Like yeah. those are some of those are very physical ads. They're all high energy. Uh, Ernest is only he's just going, Vern, hey Vern, I got the shift. You gotta go to blah 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 blah. And that energy level is maintained in every ad. Like, yeah, you've gotta be on like constantly. Yeah. That's that's gotta be super tiring. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> well, I think uh, you know, clearly we've talked about all the ways that um Ernest is uh, appealing and um, audiences respond well to him. But there are there is also this thing where Ernest is just kind of a jerk sometimes. He's un yeah, it's interesting because I'm like, does Ernest start out as a jerk? And then since people loved him, he became more lovable? Or mm. is he just or is it just a function of Ernest and Vern's relationship? I think. See, OK, Ernest is always insulting Vern because I believe Ernest is just always negging Vern. Right. Hey, Vern. Is that your body? A neg is like a, it's a horrible thing. If like some people that subscribe to the pickup artist theory, there's this concept that if you want to hit on a girl, you can give her a compliment that is sort of wrapped in a criticism. Right. And it makes her subconsciously. Very Barney Stinson idea. Yeah. It makes her like subconsciously want your approval when really you're looking for hers. Right. You say like say something about her nose or her hair and then she's like, oh, and then she feels like she has to make herself more appealing to you. Like mm. it's 98% fat free. And that's what you need to be burned. 98% fat free. And that way, when you're up here working, these roof beams won't be buckling like that. I feel like that's what Ernest is always doing. To, and it to never Vern. works. Yeah. Doesn't work on me. Doesn't work on Vern. Vern just gets irritated right. and disdainful. But like Ernest is always like, sometimes he'll barge into the shower and Vern is, has a rubber ducky. And he'd be like, I like your little duck. And Or if he's poor Vern is sleeping, he'll be like, I like your little hat. He's always just comes in and makes fun of Vern. Or like makes fun of Vern's um, wife, his wife, his daughter. When uh, Vern's daughter is getting married, and he's like, "Vern, I thought you'd never marry off that daughter of yours. She weighs as much as most two-bedroom homes. She reminds me of one of them Toyotas down at Atlanta Toyota. You know, comfy, low center of gravity, plenty of room for the kids. You know what I mean? She weighs as much as most two-bedroom homes. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> Suddenly, the murder attempts start to seem a little yeah. bit more justified. Yeah. Not that I'm condoning murder. No, I think that's Vern's breaking point. He takes a lot. Sure. I think that's just Ernest trying to put himself on a level with Vern. Like if I, if he brings Vern down a little bit, maybe they'll be on the same level and Vern right. will see him as an equal. It never works, but it's all part of the desperation. Well, and more than just like sort of the negging of Vern, there's also just <laughs> constant destruction of Vern's property. Here, Vern, let me crack this window for you. 
destroy yeah like, which is really weird when Vern's property is the product they're trying to pitch <laughs> i don't understand weird. how that works because it's like hey buy this thing that i literally just destroyed <laughs> and it's not always that sometimes it's, it's you know throw flattering. away this bad thing and get this good thing that we're giving you now but sometimes it's just destruction of the product itself or just like <laughs> downplaying of whatever he's pitching and it's very bizarre <laughs> it's sometimes well it's all about you just have to remember it that's all absolutely and you were actually saying something to me uh before we started recording that i thought was interesting which was you were saying that when they brought Ernest to new ad markets they warned whoever the clients were that the reaction at first would be bad and then turn good. Is that, yeah. am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I mean, that's, if I'm understanding correctly from what I saw on some like local news interview that like, yeah, they would warn clients that yes, initially you're going to get complaints, right? but then they'll stop. And I guess that's just a pattern that they must have observed. Like at some point it swings into customer approval and like good recall. Like a pendulum coming back with a lot of yeah. force. Yeah. It's it's weird, but yeah, you I you I did wonder like how long does it take to observe a pattern like that? You know, sure, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, some of the ways that Ernest uses the products are not. I mean, that milk flattering. bath. Oh man, I had <laughs> to milk, I had to suppress my bath. gag reflex so bad. Uh. Explain what the milk bath is. <laughs> oh hi, Vern. My tub busted. I know you wasn't mine. The old buddy Ernest just had to have his milk bath. And purity sweet-ass Dolphus milk is as good for the inside of you as it is for the outside of you. The milk bath is... Oh. Ernest is pitching sweet-ass Dolphus milk, and he's just in Fern's bathtub, which is filled with the milk. Ernest is in it. He's wearing nothing but his vest and hat, and the milk... Because he's a cartoon. The milk is maintaining his decency... <laughs> And like at some point he uses his leg, his leg comes up out a little bit because he's he uses his foot to lift like the jug out of the tub. Is that what happens? Yeah, like at some point he just uses his foot to lift like something and and hand it to himself. And you're like, oh God, Ernest is Ernest's got sweet acidophilus milk covering his jug. Yeah. I mean, your reaction was was you you had quite the grimace on you, Dave. Correct. I was I was appreciating, you know. The sculpted physique of Jim Varney. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm only human, Dave. No, I mean, listen, you know, whatever's clever, whatever, uh, you know, everyone's different. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yes, I think... I think for the future uh, podcast records, when we watch the movies, I'm just going to keep a tally of how many times you call out his arms during the viewings. Do I, do I, did I do that? More so, than did once. Did I do that several times? Yes. <laughs> I appreciate Jim Varney's arms. This was actually originally conceived as a Jim Varney arm podcast. I would have been less into that, although yeah. I, I, he's in good shape. I'm not going to... We gonna... had to rework it a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I feel like maybe that commercial, the milk bath, was one that probably got complaints. I, I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> it's like... It is gross. Uh, Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> but yeah, Ernest is just like, yeah, my milk bath. It's, it's, it's graphic. I'll say it's graphic. Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> I don't even know if that... Is that just being really bold? Is that brave? Or is that just being completely clueless? No, I think what it is is when you're doing literally hundreds and hundreds of ads across mm-hmm. the country... You're going to try some things, and some of them are not going to work. And that's that's an example of that, I would imagine. I would think that worked perfectly. I mean, it worked for you, um, <laughs> although not in a way that sold products. Unless I haven't checked your refrigerator in a while. You might have more purity milk than I am aware of. I mean, it's not, it's not in my local market. I'll have to check for the yellow container next time. Keeps light out and taste in. Um, so yeah, the way that Ernest uses, uses products, although he uses them quite affectionately, they're not always in what may be an 
a client would consider the most flattering. Oh no, but he, hey, he he believes strongly in the products of that course, he's pitching. Always, it's just that the um, the narrative of the ads themselves <laughs> does not always end. You know, to achieve the comedy that Ernest is known for, sometimes the sacrificial uh, object is <laughs> the, the product. The product <laughs> which again, that's that's a weird line to ride. You gotta, you know, good good for all the good for all the brands that put up with it. You know, if Ernest works, it works. And you just gotta, if you want Ernest, you get Ernest. Yeah, uh, warts and all. Yeah. I mean, apparently there is, see, again, everything I read, I'm like, I don't know how true this is. Sure. This is apparently. Said, was this on the internet? This was a quote from John Cherry. Where though? I think it's from his book. Okay. So uh, apparently, as he tells it, sometimes the clients would fly in and like watch Jim Varney record the ads and like make sure that he didn't do anything untoward with the product. Sure. Which, good job, guys. Um, <laughs> but, like, apparently sometimes the client would, like, change things so much that it would just, like, dull everything down, oh, sure. you know? Like, sand everything down. Right. So if John Cherry was, like, this, they're just making it bad, he would, like, give Jim Varney this signal, and then Jim Varney would get 10 seconds into the spot and then, like, throw a big tantrum and say it wasn't working and storm out. That's amazing. So that then John Cherry would be like, well, I don't know if I can get him back. And they'll just be like, oh, please, can you get him back? And he's like, yeah, okay, we're going to have to do this his way. That's amazing. That's really... That's some Hollywood sleight of hand right there. Yeah, and apparently Jim Barney was down for anything the client wanted. But the director would just be like, no, if we got to put a cap on this, you just got to stop it. I mean, part of the appeal is certainly Ernest himself. And despite the fact that, yes, these products are not being shown flatteringly sometimes, there is sort of a a definite interest generated by the absurdity of things going wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's memorable, you know? Absolutely. I do. I tend to believe in the products. Like if Ernest, if Ernest is eating ice cream, I'm like, oh, ice cream. Yeah. You know, I could go for some. I reached for my iced tea when Ernest was drinking iced tea. I, I saw that, something. yes. <laughs> it's all subliminable. Subliminable. Well, speaking of things going wrong, another thing that's included on the, um, uh, what is this called again? The Wacky Adventures of someone or something? Yeah, it's like Ernest Wacky Adventures Volume 1 is um, what the ads are on. In and amongst the uh, the compilation of ads is actually some behind the scenes and bloopers of the ads. And is there anything we want to talk about there? Oh, man. That is also, I think, what made, at least me, I think both of us, like, see, like, how hard Jim Varney was working or just like how much mm. thought was going into it because once you were behind the scenes and you could see like the wheels turning, you can see that everything is a very deliberate choice. I think that's what we were impressed by that it's not that because oh, sure. Ernest's actions are not, they're not random. Like everything is very, very controlled yep. and focused. It's like measured insanity. Controlled chaos. It's fascinating. Well, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of shade thrown on things like revealing magician secrets and like knowing what goes on behind the curtain. And sometimes it's better to just let the magic be the magic. Sure. But I'm the type of person who I respond really well to behind the scenes videos. I love watching them. I love making them. And I think in the way that you were just describing, when we saw the stuff that was like behind the scenes and bloopers Mm -hmm. and just getting a feel for like what really went into these ads, I think my appreciation for ad earnest only grew uh, exponentially because there was like, again, just so much craft and timing and artistry going on that 
it's so funny and bizarre to be saying that about Ernest P. Worrell, but it is the truth. It is. And like watching them behind the scenes and watching the outtakes make you realize like how frustrating it must be because it's only one take and every the full take has to be perfect. And he's the one guy. So if he screws up, it's on it's him. It's over. Yeah. I mean, That's... sometimes it's not his fault. Sometimes something else has to be choreographed. Something. Oh, sometimes sure. an external prop has to come in at the right time. But yes, I think my favorite bloopers, and maybe this is a little sadistic of me, is the one where he gets <laughs> almost to the end, like he's at second 28. Oh no, is this the one where he has to throw all of the, the no, food products? No, there's one where he's doing like, he's doing one about Vern's car is open. We didn't watch this one just now. Oh. But there's one in which Vern's car is open and he's just talking about it and he does the little wire gag with the... <laughs> and then... And then, like, he messes up, like, the very last line and just screams, like, oh, God, <laughs> because it's so devastating to oh, get sure. into second 28 and then ruin it because you have to start all over again. You have to use the one take. Or sometimes, like, sometimes it's not his fault, like, after the window slam, when the window slams on his fingers, then Vern and presumably his wife both, like, close the window. Right, the shades, But yeah. if they're, like, one second late, it's the over. The timer's off, yep. This didn't occur to me before, but I think I respond to that kind of stuff as a stop-motion animator. Maybe. Uh, because again, I'm we're both animators, and I specialize in stop motion, and it's that same kind of thing where you kind of have to do it all in one yeah, go, yeah, and true. it comes out the way it comes out. And if you don't nail, every, there's so many balls in the air, and if you don't nail each and every aspect of the thing, then you have to start over, and it's it is agonizing. Yeah, stop motion so, is like that. Yeah, I th- I think that part of it I connect with on a very like internal like gut level where I'm just like, oh no, you. I I feel your pain, Jim <laughs> It's like the best one is the one that you just started talking about. Oh, the food one. Is the one where, yeah, there's all these bowls of food. There's like a ton of eggs and chips and rice. Rice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Such messy food. Yeah. And like Ernest is grabbing handfuls of this stuff and like throwing it into the air. It's like telling Vern, like, you'll need like 10 eggs and like three cups of rice to, to get, get the, the same, same amount calcium. of calcium that you get with like this milk. And so Ernest is throwing eggs in the air. He's throwing steak. He's throwing all this stuff. Uh, but the way that Jim Varney messes it up is he throws all this crap around. He breaks all these eggs. And then he picks up the product and he goes to get the same amount of protein. And he immediately yep. realizes the line <laughs> is not protein. It's great because he just, he looks horrified. He drops the product and then he just, he turns around and places his hand on the refrigerator <laughs> behind him. And he doesn't move. It's like a shame pose. <laughs> he doesn't move Which for I like a solid with. minute. Yeah. Doesn't speak, doesn't move. He just freezes into a pose, turned away completely from the camera. And all you just see is people around him like going, all right. We're going to have to clean this up. up. Yeah. <laughs> like, Back to one. Uh, it's yeah. just delightful. I think that's part of what appeals to me both about the stop motion work that I do and about these ads is that you, you have to have that like high risk to get like a high, high reward. reward. Yeah. 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 I totally know what you mean. Also having stop mode myself. Sure. The further you get into it, the riskier it becomes. Yeah. The, it's like don't screw it up. Don't, don't screw kick it up. that don't light. Don't up. hit the table. No set bumps. The near miss is the worst. Yeah, you you need to have like that destruction. That destruction in one take is what sells the gag because if there's camera cuts or if there's like anything that takes away from it just being one continuous camera move, mm-hmm. it's not as funny and it's not as impressive and it's not as memorable. Yeah. And I feel I feel like destruction of 
things is a recurring <laughs> theme of of these ads. Yes, the the one take makes you notice all the destruction all the more because it's like, oh, how many bowls did they go through? How right. many like that? Ernest sometimes Ernest smashes Vern's bowls. Like there's one where he smashes he, a plate. He, he, uh, again with the cartoon thing, he often pulls a hammer out of some place that I <laughs> cannot he see. He's smashing a radio. He's smashing a uh, crystal ball. Yeah, yeah, smashes the crystal ball. Which again. The crystal ball has the head of the client of the product he's selling in it, and Ernest smashes it. The radio is playing the jingle of the auto dealership that he is advertising, and Ernest smashes it. Irwin Wild and the Oldsmobiles, Vern. Sold. Amazing. It works. You can't I'm, argue with success, Dave. Well, I, I, this is probably what they told the clients when they complained that their poor products are being uh, mishandled. Sure. Yeah, Ernest loves the smell. Ernest and destruction. Like, Ernest. So, like, Vern will just be in the hospital, and you're just going to have to assume that something Ernest related yeah, happened. Yeah, it's like, oh, what happened this time? So, like, Vern's got his cast on, and it's signed by, like, Vernette and, and, uh, and Edna. Dr. And Otto. Dr. Otto, of course. But who we'll, love who'll Dr. get to Otto. later. And Ernest will come in, hey, Vern, how you doing? And, he, and he'll say that he's going to visit Vern. The main gag is that Ernest leans his arm on the cast yeah. on Vern's leg and, like, pats it several times and slaps it around. And just from off camera, there's, like, an audible. <laughs> yeah, the voice of Vern, the pained moans of Vern. Yeah. Vern is kind of like all of, like, the uh, the owners of Tom and Jerry. You know what I'm saying? Where it's, like, there's vague insinuations that he is a human. Yeah. But we never actually have visual confirmation. She's like the of nanny that. and Muppet Babies. Exactly like that, yes. <laughs> we know Vern exists. We do. Like, we can use context clues to uh, come to yeah. that conclusion. He's definitely real. But I love, yes, I love how oblivious Ernest is to the pain that he's causing Vern in that ad. He's often oblivious when he, like, when he, like, barges into Vern's wine cellar and, like, mm. destroys all his, his wine. Yep. It's usually to plug something like Sprite. Like, he'll smash it and he'll be like, Sprite, Vern. And he'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things I was going to say, uh, talking about his obliviousness... Or crashing his fancy parties. Right. Uh, one of the things I was going to say in kind of talking about his obliviousness is, again, as um, I think film Ernest started to influence Ad Ernest, it almost kind of seemed to me like early Ad Ernest is very, like, kind of destructive in a way that's like, don't use these products, crash, use these instead. Whereas as we go more towards the film era of Ernest, it becomes more like he gets a little bit more clumsy, he gets a little more bumbling... Yeah, and I feel like the destruction maybe. becomes more accidental later than um, intentional. Than like passive aggressive in the yes. early ones. Like, yes. Yeah, there is, there is, in the first compilation we watched was, was like 82 to 84-ish Something or like 85. That. There's, there's stuff mixed in everywhere, but that's yeah, the yeah. general. But it's more, it's a little bit more early. It Correct. swings earlier. Like Ernest will like smash, very intentionally smash Vern's piggy bank. But like pretend it was an accident. He'll drop. He drops it. And he says, "Look what Mino Mr. Gravity did." Yeah. Just like one of the, the jerkiest things you can say. I mean, just smash somebody's piggy bank and like does seem more intentional and then like more well intentioned but clumsy once you get further in. Or even like there starts to be shades of, and we'll get to this with the movies too. Ernest as an inventor. Like there's things yeah. where he's kind of like tinkering and like something will go wrong or he'll get electrocuted and the happens or stuff like that. <laughs> or things where he's like, he has the best of intentions for these products and then it just doesn't go his way. <laughs> it develops. Yeah. Yes. It's almost like there's a compelling character here that we need to unpack in a very serious way. And yes, I would say that earlier Ernest is a little bit more of a annoying jerk. 
Sure. And then at, he becomes a little bit more... Buffoonish. Yes. But just as passionate about consumer products. Of oh, certainly. I mean, like, 82 is, like, where you get your meanest earnest. But then as it goes on, he's just, like, he's just kind of an idiot. I wonder how much of that might have come from just the popularity of Ernest. Like, once he becomes, like, a nationally recognized figure, maybe it's like people don't want to see him as a jerk, and they want to see him in more of, like, I think a that, positive, yeah, fun light. Yeah, you wonder, it's like the Mickey Mousing. Mickey Mouse is a big jerk. Sure, or even Kermit the Frog. Kermit also is a oh, great yeah. example of that. Yeah, like, they get, their edges are softened. Yeah, absolutely. For, for, for mass audiences. Yes, uh, for kids especially, because kids mm. were super into Ernest. Because sure. he was a big cartoon. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, talking about like him becoming more buffoonish mm-hmm. and becoming, I guess, in a sense, dumber. But I think it's just because he's becoming a little bit more palatable for audiences, maybe. Sure. Uh, is Ernest dumb? Ooh, well, I mean, I mean, that's a big—that's that, a—that's a big question, and it's also a loaded question because, yeah, are you asking is Ad Ernest dumb? I'm asking in general. In general, is Ernest dumb? I'm going to say no. That's what I would say too. Because of you know how how far into this do you want to get? Because there's let's things let's get that... into it, man. This is what this podcast is for. Well, but I mean, like we have like a bunch of we don't have to go far into the film. I mean, let's okay. we can start mainly around the ad Ernest, but they so... are again essentially the same Ernest. It's just that the context of the way he's acting is different. Yes, his characterization is the same. His backstory is different. Correct. I'm going to say no. Ernest is not dumb at all. He is goofy. He is over exaggerated, but um. How can I say this? He has too much um, premeditated intent yeah. with the way that he interacts with the products and he interacts with Vern that there's no way you could be dumb and do that. It's a very like surface dumbness. Yeah. Whereas underneath there's just like it's like a he weirdo. does. Yeah, he does dumb things, but it's not because he's dumb. It's because he doesn't really understand how to interact with his environment well, it's like for some the reason. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, that like kind he, of thing. he messes up, but he. It's almost like he can't pull things off practically. Like he can't do, do practical things. But uh, it, oh, like he always has to do like the most like roundabout yeah. thing. Like he can't just do. He can't just get in a car, turn it on, and drive somewhere. Right. He has to do like the wacky, ridiculous version of yeah, that. Yeah, and it's just because of the way his brain works. He and can't just swim in a pool. He has to get in a pool with the exactly. inner tube on and the water wings and be carrying <laughs> a water ski thing that his wife right. is had to attach to a truck. Yes, and once you get to the films, he can't just sweep the floor. He has to make a contraption that has like six brooms on it, and right. then like that pulls itself through, and then like comically I mean, malfunctions. But again, I can't do that. Right. But I think with Ad Ernest, it all comes down to yes, you say the premeditated intent and the way he speaks. Oh sure, he's like, he's I'm, very eloquent. Yeah, and it's like I know that he's in the ads. The context is that he's trying to impress Vern, but. He's really well spoken. He says like dumb things intelligently, or he says intelligent things, and like he misspeaks. He like he he's mis- not uneducated. He misappropriates, but you know what? It seems like he is uneducated, but that's not his fault. But he's not unintelligent. Like if you've you got the sense that if he actually had like a higher education, oh, that he would saying. be amazing. But like he hasn't. He only has what has been available to him. So he's trying to like almost take on like a, an affectation of trying to use like uh, long, Cor- s- yes, smart sounding exactly. words, but not doing them quite right. Because he doesn't. To, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. Oh, interesting. So like he is trying to sound smart. He knows what smart kind of sounds like. Right. But and the he thing really is, wants to impress Vern. So yeah. you got to sound smart because Vern is a smart guy. So he attempts to use big words, but he misappropriates them or misuses them. 
but like the way he constructs his sentences mm. like i before we called it like pseudo shakespearean like they're very theatrical very theatrical mon- i mean these commercials are monologues they're yep. actor monologues mm-hmm. and they're they're well constructed like the sentence structure is like like whenever we try to do an impression of Ernest, like we can't yeah absolutely. because we can't i'm not that smart i can't construct the sentence like that off the top of my head there's there's one monologue that we'll get to later when we get to Saves Christmas, that, but I really want to memorize it for future like acting auditions. <laughs> and I can't remember all of it, but he's talking about like the Yuletide season, and it just ends with, and they all gather around to eat the cranberry sauce shaped like a can. <laughs> and I just find that so like oddball charming that it's just like, yeah. that is great. There, and my family does nothing I don't eat love cranberry about sauce that. shaped like a can. Uh, everyone's does. We didn't even talk about my favorite ad, which is just oh, a monologue where Ernest gets increasingly worked up over this auto, this sale at an auto dealership where he's like, we got to do it now because like the sale is going to end. And he first, he like, oh, is this the 10 days left ad? Yeah. Oh, okay. Where he, cal- he starts out calmly saying that there's a sale and there's only that 10 days left. And then like he works himself up into a frenzy by the end of it. He's completely red faced. You know, Vern, timing is very important, and that's why you should buy your Tyson's Toyota during the last 10 days of the month. That's when they're overstocked. That's when they've got to meet their quotas. That's when you can have your choice. That's when you can dictate the terms. They're just a bunch of wimps. Now's the time to strike at the soft underbelly of Tyson's Toyota. What about the salesman? Don't worry about the salesman. Any one of us can whip a salesman during the last 10 days. It's a beautiful performance. It's just a gradual. Yeah, there's like, something. There's something about like you worried about the salesman. We can smite the salesman. <laughs> Any one of us can whip a salesman That's in the it. last ten days. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And like, dumb people don't talk like that. Well, I they can't. This didn't occur to me before, but I wonder how much of it is sort of culturally implied stereotypes about people with southern accents, because he does yeah. have sort of like a southern like drawl to mm-hmm. his speaking totally. manner and i wonder if it's almost like the baggage people bring to that and i wonder also if that's sort of why he works because it's he's almost sort of the perfect intersection of high and lowbrow You're, yes exactly because right. he's like he's got that aspect but then he's saying really smart things he's trying to impress Vern, and it's failing it's like this continuous yeah. like juxtaposition of opposing forces that sort of comes out through this cartoon man and works somehow. If you were just a dumb character that did dumb things and spoke like, well, I guess I better, sorry, it would not be as successful. It wouldn't be engaging and intriguing. Right. There would be no nuance to it. Sure. The way he he speaks and like executes all his plans. Mm -hmm. Yes, if it weren't for that, he wouldn't be as compelling a character. He would be very superficial. Absolutely. You know, I feel like if I saw a character like Ernest in real life, my reaction would not be, He's wow, dumb. that's a dumb person. Right, no, it would be like, all. oh, honey, no. We would be like, You're if, trying so that's hard. That's what I mean. If we met somebody like Ernest in real life, we would be like, okay, maybe we could just help him find yeah. what it is. Do you where need a hand with fit. that loose wire? You should probably unplug that first. But you would kind of be like, well, that guy's kind of a genius. Yeah. But he's like, but he just needs a place to apply it. Right. That fits for him. Right, right. You know, like if Ernest could just find that place that appreciated his talent for recall of schedules and auto dealership like addresses and, <laughs> and you you know, I get the impression that Ad Ernest is the guy who opens the penny saver, reads it once, and remembers everything. I would yeah, I would agree with that. That's I Absolutely. think what is happening. Sure. 
and and he doesn't even know that other people can't do that. Yeah. And Vern doesn't know he can't do that. That's the tragedy. Vern doesn't realize what a genius Ernest is. Sure. If Ernest had He's gone like, on. like, this guy again. The climax of the, if you made a movie about Ernest and Vern, the end would be like, Vern discovers that Ernest is actually a genius because he's been reading the paper once and remembering everything. And they're like, wait a minute. And they take him to like a lab and test him. It's like, yes, he's a super genius. And then they develop a grudging respect and shake hands. <laughs> and then Ernest decides that like, he doesn't want to be used to make formulas about how to make drones and stuff. Or then it just ends like with uh, like Rocky and Apollo like boxing and then it goes ding, ding. And then it's a freeze frame <laughs> of both of them. You know what I would have loved? You know what would be perfect ending for me? If like, if we're talking about the ads as like a story that could end. Sure. The narrative arc of Ad Ernest. The end would be like the camera whips around and we see Vern and it is just Jim Varney in glasses and a sweater vest. What? <laughs> I would actually really enjoy that also. I think that's my ultimate headcanon. Because not only are we all Vern, we're also all Ernest. <gasps> oh, Dave, you cracked this open and it's only episode one. <laughs> so that's that's the tenor of the discussion you can expect from Ernest Goes to Podcast. Um, this is the type of discussion we've been having based on these insane, oh, yes. oddly entertaining ads and films. And uh, this is why it needs to be recorded for all time. For posterity, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're getting to the 30-year mark. You know the 30-year rule, Dave? Like, everything becomes completely nostalgic. Sure. And we're coming upon that point with Ernest, or we have already, 30 years since the first Ernest movie. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, if you, if you look at it from a film perspective, or even just like a 30 years from the height of Ernest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's time. Sure. Dave, it's time. It's time we unpack this. And that's what our job is here to do. That's, what, that's our calling, as it were. So come along on this journey with us in this limited run. Because there's a limited run of Ernest, there will be a limited run of this podcast. Correct. But we will be taking you through the entire Ernest canon. We'll even get into some more obscure stuff like Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam and the, the Worrell Family album a little later after we get into like the more popular, I think. We'll go through the films chronologically. Sure. And then we'll dip into the obscure. I'm It'll cool with that. Awesome, Dave. Uh, I am very excited to talk more about Ernest and figure out who he is. As am I. Well, uh, what's happening on our next episode? On our next episode, we're going to go to camp, of course. Ah, yes. We'll go to the first film where Ernest was discovered by the likes of Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg and uh, taken under the Disney umbrella. Now, uh, full disclosure, I've only seen the first 10 minutes of Ernest Goes to Camp. It's one of the movies that, for some reason, I missed as a kid. But I'm interested to see what it is all about and how it jibes with the other Ernest incarnations. It's quite interesting. Cool. Hopefully, you guys will join us next time, you guys that are out there in the landscape of podcast land. Yes, and if you have any questions, you can uh, send us an email at ernestgoestopodcast at paganomation.com. Uh, we'll also take comments and uh, any other... Uh, if you have your own uh, Ernest Head Canon, you can feel free to share that with us, too. Any weird dreams? Creepy yeah. dreams? Sexy <laughs> dreams? Uh, Lay them on us. Yeah. This has been episode one of Ernest Goes to Podcast, America's Pitchman Jim Varney. Uh, viva Lavarney, Dave. Agreed. <laughs> See you next time. See you at camp. See the light into the sky. See the angry tides. See the lightning rain come down. Oh, where's the hero now? The children cry.